advertising fraud takes billions of dollars out of the economy every year. We don't know exactly how much money is being lost because we don't know what percentage of internet users are bots, and we don't know how those bots are interacting in order to extract money from the advertising ecosystem. Are You a Human is a company designed to solve this problem and provides a service for verifying whether a user is real or automated. Ben Trenda is the CEO of Are You a Human. In this episode, we discuss some of the ways that bots pose as humans, clicking on ads, pretending to read ads, defrauding marketers and publishers, and we also talk about how Are You a Human combats this. This episode is part of a series of episodes about advertising fraud, and if you know anything about this area or you have a recommendation for somebody to interview, send me an email, jeff at softwareengineeringdaily.com. And with that, I hope you like this episode. Ben Trenda is the CEO of Are You a Human? Ben, welcome to Software Engineering Daily. Thanks, Jeff. So today we're going to talk about ad fraud and other types of fraud. And to illustrate just the idea of what ad fraud is, I didn't really know about it until a few years ago when a friend of mine told me this story. And she told me this meeting that she was in where basically ad fraud was displayed in graphical form. Um, she was in the me- a meeting. She worked at a company where basically this company was a middleman in the ad industry. You know, there's tons of middlemen in ad tech companies. And there was this graph that uh, was in one of the slides. And the graph basically showed a trend that was up and to the right. And and she's like looking at the graph. She's like, what? This, there's no way this is right. And she raises her hand. She asks a question about it. And she's like, so does this graph, is this graph saying that the the trend from the trend of our bot traffic, the ads that we are displaying that are getting shown to bots has trended up to 80% and 80% of the ads that we are displaying to people are getting shown to bots. And when she asks this question, the CEO who is in the meeting says, you need to shush right now. And ever since she told me that story, I have been trying to understand what is this ad fraud stuff is because I get the sense that there is this big ad tech industry and there's a bunch of don't ask, don't tell about ad fraud. And so, you know, and as a reporter, it's turned out to be a very difficult subject to report on. So is that perception, is my perception correct? Is there a lot of ad fraud and is this a big don't ask, don't tell in the ad tech industry? So it's an interesting question. There is, in fact, a lot of ad fraud. Um, I don't know. 80% is egregious. 80% is possible. Um, but I think anyone who's taking, you know, reasonable steps to prevent it should, should have a lower percentage, like let's call it 20 to 30% fraud. Um, and I don't know that it's, uh, don't ask, don't tell might be a little too official. I think what's really going on is that you have a number of the Basically, every player in the ecosystem has a set of incentives that don't align well with solving a problem like ad fraud. Um, for for example, the you have the ad tech companies who are are primarily trying to you know deliver some kind of a a service to their client, um, maybe try to uh, create some kind of a, a performance on the back end that they're trying to reach. Um, you have the sellers. They don't necessarily want to admit that they have, you know, bots on their site. It's not fraud per se. Um, some of this non-human traffic is created for other reasons. Um, there are bots that scrape content off of websites. There are bots that post comments erroneously. Uh, you have 175 million fake Facebook profiles. These bots don't exist to defraud the ad system. But they do, they do uh, inadvertently consume a lot of ads. So, yeah, there is ad fraud and there is also a lot of other waste. Um, but I don't know if it, you know, 80% feels a little egregious. Mm. How would you define the term ad fraud? A good question. Uh, so per, per, my point of view on this is that fraud connotes uh, intentionality. So 
there's a there are a lot of forms of fraud that you could call fraud within that definition. Um, you have things like uh, people who will generate bots that will go and consume ad impressions, maybe click on ads, maybe even surf around an advertiser's website to pick up retargeting pixel. Those things are actual fraud. Then you have inadvertent waste, which is often referred to as fraud by our industry and ends up in the same percentages. But those would be bots that are designed to crawl the internet, uh, maybe scrape pricing information, do a number of other things that are inadvertently consuming ads, but aren't intentionally consuming ads. Mm. So you have been in the ad tech business for more than a decade. Can you explain how ad fraud has developed in that time, how have you seen the rise of ad fraud, or and how have you gotten a sense for what percentage of the marketplace is fraudulent? Sure. So uh, there's two questions there. I'll take uh, I'll take them in order. So interestingly, ad fraud has been around since the beginning. Uh, earlier in my career, I was part of the early team at a company called Overture, originally called GoTo.com. Uh, we were the precursor to Google Search, so it was uh, the ability to pay to post your link in the search results and you pay on a cost per click basis. Google later copied that business model. That was rife with fraud from the very beginning. Um, it wasn't all, it, it wasn't fraud that was perpetrated so that the perpetrator could re realize financial gain from the clicks. Um, instead, in that case, it was to drive down the performance of their competitors to deflate the value of the the auction and the pricing within the keyword marketplaces. And uh, Overture, then later Yahoo after we were acquired, and then later Google, all built um, significant amounts of technology and even human teams to try to weed out this fraud. And that's been an ongoing battle that continues to this day. And this is, you know, so 15 or 16 years later, this problem um, continues. I don't actually think that ad fraud has gotten worse. I think that the awareness of it has gotten more acute. Mm. And that's a big part of it. So on your site, you say that 58% of traffic on the internet is generated by bots. How did you get that number? How can you differentiate between bot traffic and human traffic? Great question. So that stat is has been widely reported. It's not ours, um, and you can you, you've seen it reported in Wall Street Journal, Financial Times, New York Times, Ad Age, Ad Exchanger, etc. Um, but we do see very similar levels of bot activity uh, across our own our own footprint. So we measure about three million sites. The way that our technology works is uh, we we put code out there. We'll measure the biometric activity of the users, um, meaning how do they behave, uh, what do they do with their mouse, their cursor, their scroll, their accelerometer if they're on a mobile device, a couple hundred of these inputs. We analyze the, that user's behavior compared with the hundreds or hundreds of millions, depending on the site. Uh, real human users who have been on those pages. And then importantly, we watch as that user leaves that site and then goes to other sites on the internet. How does their behavior change? How does everything about their uh, browser configuration, hardware, software, and behavior, how does that all change over time? And so we can be very sure that a user is human. And we see a fairly consistent level of humanness uh, over time. And we see a fairly consistent level of non-human activity over time as well. So 58% is um, seems directionally accurate based on our numbers. Um, but then within the context of advertising, the real number is probably a little bit lower. There's a lot of non-human activity that doesn't make its way into advertising fraud. Hmm. So this is what I understand is, so if I were a fraudster, what I would do is I would set up a click farm in India or something and it was perhaps Pakistan and I would get 200 people in a room and I would have them navigate through the internet and do various things and I would record their behavior and I would train a machine learning model to average out 
what they are doing, and I would replicate their environments that they're working on, which is you know easy to do through virtualization technology. And basically, I would just duplicate the behavior that they are engaging in, um, and I would continue to record their behavior over time to update the model and how that biometrically changes over time. And then you, you could also just expand the sample size of people you're you're gathering data from by uh, doing something where you have malware and it's recording the uh, other behavior of real users. How how would you verify that type of or how would you prevent that type of bot behavior from from uh, from getting by you? Yeah, great question. So what you've described is one of the most sophisticated and least used forms of fraud. Um, now, we have a number of ways that we try to address that particular use case. Um, but note bef before we get into that, that that's a, a small percentage. Right? The, the vast majority are dumb bots, meaning uh, they're very easy to catch. Um, and then you've got more sophisticated fraud uh, or, or bots that are uh, going through to, to links to avoid detection because they have some kind of uh, nefarious purpose that the, and, and it may not be ad fraud, it might be account hacking or comment spam or retail price scraping. Um, one of the, the, the hardest thing for a bot developer to do is to know what we're looking for on every one of three million sites, right? And then and then user behavior spanning sites, right? They so you can do replay attack. Um, those are rare, and we normally will catch those by kind of all of the other uh, ensemble of methodologies that we have, uh, meaning everything about hardware, software, tying devices together, uh, tying devices across botnets together. Um, looking at activity as it moves from one site to another to another. And then, of course, it's, it's theoretically possible but highly improbable that somebody would have a good model for, what, for the actual biometric activity of a given user on every one of 3 million websites. And then that that user would introduce variability into their behavior as they go from one site to another site and then back to the original site because real humans don't do exactly the same thing on every page. So it's, it's highly unlikely, but it is, it is possible. So, um, but, but if you take that 58% number through, through, you know, basic measures, you could cut that down quite a bit and then you could cut it almost all the way to zero with more sophisticated measures. And then I think to knock out that very last little bit, you know, we're going to continue to have to uh, stay in front of the, the fraudsters and continue to evolve. But at this point, we feel like we have the ability to catch 100% of it. It will only get more sophisticated from this point on. So what I understand is how do you know that your stats on what percentage of the bot traffic is correct if these people who are replicate i think you called it replication attack or something or record re, what is it replay attack replay, replay. attack Replaying yeah. human behavior yeah. yeah if these replay attacks are so effective how do you know that you're catching them yeah good question so well for, first you have to take a step back right so the people don't create bots to perpetrate fraud unless there's an economic reason for them to do it and the vast majority of websites and advertisers and ad tech companies are only taking pretty modest approaches to solving that. So the type of attack that you've described is highly sophisticated and actually would cost a lot of money, right, to, to, to capture the kind of behaviors that you would need and then go through the process of building the models and keeping the models up to date in order to do a replay attack. So that, that's the first part of the answer. So there's no real economic incentive yet for somebody to do that. Maybe if you got into like the hacking of large bank accounts, but certainly not, you know, stealing fractions of a penny to be served an ad because you can make so much money with just basic bot maneuvering. The second part of the answer, though, is um, 
that you, uh, let me so just think about how to frame this for a second. So the, the second part of the answer is that in a machine learning problem, the biggest thing, that, the, the, the hardest thing is coming up with good base data or data that you can train on, right? So uh, there, there are a number of techniques for this and we've got places where we actually have code in in places where we know for sure that the users are human. We have actual humans that we're training on. Um, we have uh, 16,000 sites that have deployed um, more in-depth form of uh, code that we use to replace CAPTCHA. And so we can be 100% sure that those users are human. So we have, you, you, could, you could compare it to like a Nielsen or a Comscore panel of users that you can build you know, very robust training sets against. And so we feel highly confident that we're able to catch those replay attacks because we know what real human behavior is. Hmm, I, I just don't understand because to me it seems like, so you mentioned that the cost, the, first of all, the cost to setting, setting up this replay attack infrastructure would be expensive. To me, it doesn't sound that expensive because it sounds like a fixed cost. You get you know, 200, 250 people in a room, or you have some some piece of malware that's on a bunch of people's Windows machines somewhere recording their behaviors, and uh, that stuff's not expensive to buy. It's a fixed cost. And once you get the flywheel spinning, like if you've got a way to defraud Facebook, particularly, particularly like defraud, you know, Facebook ads, you, you, you figure out a, um, a scheme there, then... Uh, you could just scale that up and 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 keep that flywheel spinning. I just I don't understand why it's why that would be expensive. Well, not really, because uh, the internet is evolving constantly, right? So, uh, if you want to go to CNN.com and mimic real human behavior, you'd have to keep that model up to date every day and throughout the day, because real human behavior changes as the website changes, right? So it's 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 not that it's not possible. It is theoretically possible, but it's very difficult compared with the, you know, literally billions of dollars that you can make through much more simple bot maneuvering. Hmm. Okay. So basically the idea is that the, there's not enough fraud talent on the internet or there's, there's, (laughs) There's you mean anti-fraud or fraud? No, like fraud, like, because if people are just, it sounds like what you're saying is like, well, the yes, it is possible to do this, but there's not enough sophisticated um, people who are defrauding um, ad networks because it's too complicated. These people would have their time better spent doing bank fraud or something like that. Sure. Well, why why wouldn't you, right? I mean, you look at the level of hacking on the internet, and there are much higher value targets than the fraction of a cent you get for defrauding the ad system. Um, and those are high quality problems for sure. And they're, and they're important to solve. And, and we think that our approach is part of the robust solution that the, that the entire internet needs. So I mean, to take a quick step back, right? All of the existing fraud detection services that all of them, all of them, and that goes for all of the companies that are trying to address ad fraud, as well as the fraud detection measures that are built into CDNs and standalone security firms, are based on this idea that you can go out and catch bots by looking for bots. The problem with that idea, actually, let me use an analogy. When they train federal agents and bank employees to spot counterfeit money, they don't actually train on counterfeits. Because every time that there's a counterfeit, it's different in some way than the last time, right? So if you're out looking for the counterfeits or you're out looking for the bots, you're going to miss a lot of them. Contrast that with how you would solve a problem like border security, right? Border security, if you were to start border security program for, let's say, a new nation, you probably wouldn't start by trying to create a list of everyone in the world who's not allowed into your country, nor would you try to um, just put up TSA agents to look for people who look like the bad guys, right? You would instead issue passports. And so what we can tell over a long period of time that a user is definitely human because we're, we're taking that same approach, right? We identify that that user's a human. The next time we see them, we 
we are verifying that they're still a human. The next time we see them, we verify that they're still a human. And so on. after a while, you have such a high degree of certainty that that user's a human. And so that if and when they are to, to be infected by malware, we can start to see their behavior change and their profile change in ways that do not match their previous behavior. So that we're not saying that that is the only solution or that's the you know that 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 is the complete solution that you need for every form of fraud on the internet but i would say that is like the fundamental building block that didn't exist before we started this the same way that you would not be able to have a complete border security program without a passport okay so, so yeah you get so you get it it's like piece of the solution you need you need probably more than one piece Okay, so you're describing uh, Are You a Human, Your Technology. Why don't you uh, just describe that in a little more detail? What what does Are You a Human do? Yeah, sure. So I started to, I, I touched on pieces of this, so I'll try to make it you know really fast and not redundant from what we've already talked about. We took this approach that, again, there are lots of fraud companies devoted to finding bots. We felt like you needed a strong signal about which users were actually human as part of that larger solution. Um, so we set out to do just that. And basically our, our product works like this. We give code to um, websites and other companies that serve code to users. Um, we're on about 3 million websites today, uh, including big ones, Yahoo, AOL, etc. And what we do then is... Um, Sort of in plain English, if we if we see you this morning on let's say Yahoo Finance, we're first looking at everything about your hardware, your software, your browser configuration, and how has that changed since the last time we saw you? And then we're looking at the biometrics, as I mentioned, sort of a couple hundred different data points about what you're doing as you're consuming this content, and then we're looking at how that changes over time. Um, and how that compares with the hundreds of millions of other known humans that we have seen on this page of Yahoo Finance recently. And how do those users change over time? Uh, everything from your hardware and your software and the way that you behave, et cetera. And then, and then what we do is we, we kind of maintain profiles on these users. And, and we're not talking about um, anything that would cause you to have privacy concerns. And we're not looking at your intent or websites you're, you're visiting other than to help confirm that you're human. And then we license that information to websites and, and we pass it back to the website. So the website can know before they serve content or pricing or ads or login screen or whatever, is this user definitely human? Are they definitely bought? Or are they some degree of human or bot in between. So we might we might not know for sure. We might say, you know, this user is 80% likely to be human. And depending on what it is that you want to serve them, you may have different threshold levels for how confident you want to feel. If you're talking about, you know, a bank account, you might want to be 100% confident. Or if you're not 100% confident, then maybe you give them two-factor authentication or something. We, that's not up to us. That's up to the 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 client that deploys this technology, we simply provide a very strong, very accurate signal, very fast and very inexpensively, and, and let people decide what they want to do with that information. Now, a company like an AOL or a Yahoo, so they would want a higher degree of humanity from the users that are browsing their page because they want to have good stats for the ads that they are selling. They want to be able to sell ad space and say, uh, look, you know, advertisers have an average of this many clicks when they come to their website or, you know, they have the they have this frequency of um, of acquisition of people actually clicking through and, and purchasing products or, or something like that. Is that accurate? Yeah, that's that's definitely a piece of it. Um, but th I think they also care about having real human audiences because that's the business that they're in. So if you think about what's happening on the publisher side of, of just the internet at large, uh, it's with the more and more websites that are out there, the more audience consumption becomes fragmented, the more difficult it is for these websites to have large audiences. And at the same time, you have for a variety of reasons, including just proliferation of websites, proliferation of page views, 
um, but also low quality sites and non-human activity that are creating a, a glut of supplies such that prices are now dropping. So you have uh, declining readership or stagnant readership combined with stagnant or declining prices, um, you now have a problem. And we've seen that echo throughout the industry and, and you know, it hit print first and now it's hitting you know, major premium websites. So as those sites try to do things to, to gain new audiences, they also have the same problem that their advertisers have, which are, if I'm going to go spend money to do traffic acquisition, how do I ensure that that's 100% human? So we're providing them a tool that helps them solve that problem as well. There have been a few pieces about ad fraud from people um, like Samuel Scott, uh, Bob Hoffman talks a lot about ad fraud. There's also this awesome video, I don't know if you saw on YouTube a while ago by a guy named Veritasium. This was about like f- getting fake likes on, uh, on Facebook, and it, it wasn't specifically about ad fraud, but it was basically about the degree to which fraud is automated and intelligent. Um, But aside from these guys like Veritasium and Samuel Scott and Bob Hoffman, there is, I just get the sense that there is not a lot of people that are talking about ad fraud and talking about like it in real specifics. Um, Why haven't there been more whistleblowers in the industry? Well, I think for there's a couple there's two parts to the answer the first part is it's not like the companies themselves the ad tech companies or the publishers are perpetrating the fraud i mean 99.9 percent of them want to solve the problem just as much as anyone else so it's hard to sort of blow a whistle when it's not your employer who's Mm -hmm. who's causing the problem Uh, and i think the bigger problem though is that there aren't a lot of incentives to solve the problem um, because it's not the easiest problem to solve. So everyone from the, the, the publisher who now owns an audience that they want to monetize, the ad tech companies in the middle who are simply just trying to process transactions and take their cut, the ad agencies who are already overworked and undergunned, there's more ad tech companies that they have to evaluate this year than there were last year, and that's been the case for the last 10 years. Um, the last thing anybody wants to do is waste time trying to solve a problem that they don't truly understand. So they just want the problem to go away. And the way that they've made the problem go away is by, um, you know, they, they pay a small fee to, there's, you know, Double Verify or Integral Ad Science or Moat or a couple others. And they say, okay, my job here is done. They don't really dig in and find out that those companies are really just doing the bare minimum of protection because now they've got uh, the ability to say, well, we've solved the problem or we've done something here. So, you know, our hands are clean. And, and really the, it's really just the brands who have an incentive to solve the problem. And for the most part, they don't really know how big of a problem it is. By brands, and, you mean companies that are purchasing ads. Right. The, they the don't know. end buyer, which yeah. might be five steps back from the actual transaction. So when you're talking about American Airlines or Kraft or Coca-Cola, these buyers don't know the degree to which fraud pervades the advertising ecosystem. That's correct. But that is also not the easiest problem to solve because... Nobody really wants to to hear that they have a big problem, right? And that's see that's what makes it even more perverse is that even the CMOS at Coca Cola or Kraft or whatever they don't want to hear like uh hey the ads that you're buying on the site are you know maybe these are going to be viewed by bots more likely um, all they want to know is like hey are these ads cheaper. Uh, is my impression, at least. Sure. Yeah, I mean, th- that's a big part of it, right? They they have goals around CPM and, um, you know, pretty simplistic goals. The latest the latest goal du jour is uh, viewability uh, and video completion rates, which are, ironically, if you set a goal of having 100% viewability or 100% uh, video completion rate, you will almost certainly have more 
bots and non-human traffic than you had than you would have if you set different goals. But but that information disseminates slowly, and and those people also have you know jobs and bosses, and they want to get home at the end of the day. So the last thing they necessarily want is for somebody to tell them that they have a problem that they don't really feel like they have, and their agency is telling them they don't really have a problem. Their vendors are telling them they don't really have a problem. And it's, you know, five o'clock and I want to get home to my family. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned incentives. Like when I think about the incentives of Google and Facebook, who are the advertising behemoths in the room, some people don't realize these are ad tech companies, it seems like there is very little incentive to remove fraud altogether because Facebook and Google together, they have a duopoly on broad internet advertising and you know the fact is that advertising does work advertising absolutely does work um, we wouldn't be having this conversation otherwise that's why the industry is so big it does work to some degree but if you are a marketer your dollar does not go as far in a market with fraud as it would go in a market without fraud so perversely google and facebook are incentivized to keep some amount of fraud in the ecosystem so that at, so that marketers have to spend more dollars right no I, I don't think so uh they have an incentive to get rid of fraud and they're trying everything they can and i would say that you know google has done a very good job um, we know that there's still fraud in Google's marketplace. We see it, but it, they've definitely done a better job than most of the big players. Okay. So how can how can we know, like, what percentage of advertising campaigns run on Google or Facebook do you think are, um, I don't know. So, like, what are the ways, What are the, so if, if I'm an advertiser on a Google or a Facebook, what are the ways that I can know that my ads are being viewed by by clean traffic it's it's very hard right you have to work with a company who specializes in this and then you have to you know trust their numbers um, or you can you know or you can use more than one and see if you can get consensus between the two so why so uh I mean, how do we how do we know that that Google and Facebook are, do, or how do we know to what degree Google and Facebook are um, are doing doing everything they can to to you know have measures against advertising fraud? I mean, I, what I understand is like why like how how can we know how accountable this stuff is? Well, I guess I'd say two things. I mean, w- w- the first is. I don't know that they're doing everything that they could be doing. I mean, there are still, and this isn't my stat, but you can Google this. There's 175 million fake Facebook profiles that are being driven by bots. Um, so yeah, they could probably cut that down. Uh, you know, and, and we know that, but we know that both companies are, you know, putting some resources against it. Um, the other, the other piece is, at the end of the day, if you look at the performance. Not how many people clicked because bots will click and bots will watch your ad all the way to the end and uh, surf around your website. But if you're selling a product, you know, how many people actually paid for the product? And when you did, and when you employed a new solution to prevent fraud, did you see lift in the metrics that you really care about? Um, so if you're tracking things correctly, you should. So uh, w- one example for that is I described to you earlier how we maintain kind of uh, profiles on users that are, you know, verified human over time. And some of our customers will take that list of verified humans and they, they've got, you know, a variety of different targeting parameters for a given campaign, but they'll add verified human as the final filter. So they'll say, you know, I just want a hundred percent humans who are also fit all of my other targeting criteria. And this is all a la carte so they can combine these things on, on their own. Um, and then they'll, they'll tell us, self-reported, um, but fairly consistently, that they see a 25% lift in post-click activity. So, you know, do we know for sure? No, but if you use 25, per, you know, users that we're saying are definitely human are performing 25% better 
than users that the major fraud detection companies say are not bought, then you got to think, okay, there is some qualitative difference here on you um, because you signed up and you have an account there. Same with Google. Um, and they've got some firsthand data. And they're also watching your browsing activity off network, meaning if you're using um, if you're using, let's say, Facebook to log into other websites, then Facebook is tracking what you're doing on those websites as well. And so that mostly, for the most part, their profiles exist for advertiser targeting. Our profile exists only to tell you one thing. Is this user definitely human or not? And so all, any data that we have just simply supports that, that one use case. So it's not valuable if what you're trying to do is figure out which of these you know billions of internet users wants to buy a car next month but it is valuable if you want to know if they're human mm. so let's let's talk about that in more detail so this i imagine you know you're, ta you're talking about how the the way that people use the internet changes over time and this is why the replay attack thing is um susceptible uh or you know it would have to be a very sophisticated infrastructure of recording human behavior and building a machine learning model off of that um but on the <clears throat> on the defense side the machine learning pipeline probably looks kind of similar because you're trying to learn what a human uh looks like so that you can identify it and so the, on the replay attack side, they're trying to learn what a human looks like so that they can replicate that behavior. How does that machine learning pipeline look from your side? And what kind of, what does your infrastructure look like in terms of building that machine learning out? Well, we, we use an ensemble methodology. And, and I know that you're, you're separately interviewing Tyler, uh, our founder CTO. And I think yeah. he'd probably do a much better job of, of going into detail there. But what I can tell you is um, we don't use any one approach. We use an ensemble of methodologies, including deep learning. And um, we, f we believe that it's the combination of those that is um, the, you know, the, the combination is stronger than any one of the techniques individually. Okay. So, and I, um, as I understand you, uh, the are you human technology is useful not just for doing ad fraud or, or doing ad, you know verification that there's a human viewing an ad but also for other methods of fraud like you know you can you uh, can add some resilience to banking systems perhaps or transaction systems can, can you talk more about how that works sure yeah so uh, and in fact we've got some large companies out there uh, deploying this technology for for those sorts of use cases as well retail transaction fraud bank account hacking etc um, technically on in terms of our product it works the same way we're developing a profile on a user over time regardless of use case so uh, like i've been on probably 10 websites today and I'm going to guess the majority of those were sites that we're measuring. So that's just continually updating my profile. Yes, Ben is human right now. And so if I were to go to a bank that was using this technology, um, as that page is loading, that bank would either call through our API or, or we would have pre-synced this information. So that user would know as that page is, the bank would know as the page is loading that I am uh, definitely human right now and still human right now. And then they can have rules set up that say, um, go ahead and give him the, you know, the standard simple login. Um, if there's any doubt, you know, maybe my behavior has changed slightly today, or maybe things were happening last night when I was asleep, um, and the score drops a little bit, um, they may say, okay, let's do two-factor authentication today. So it adds some resilience, as you as you described. Um, and same for any other use case, really. Um, what we do is we would either, you know, have that uh, end customer ping us through an API or pre-synchronize those users so that they know in advance as that page is loading. And then they can make the business decisions on their side about what use case they want to facilitate. So you compared Are You Human to some other uh, bot detection or human traffic filtering technologies where that, that sometimes are used by companies 
basically more to pass the buck than to actually uh, try to detect bots. Can you describe what those other bot detection, bot versus human detection software uh, pieces are using and, and how that compares to Are You a Human? Yeah, I mean, for the most part, those companies, uh, so there's two There's two groups. There are those uh, companies outside of the ad ecosystem, and then there's the the advertising fraud companies. They're called ad verification companies, and those are like double verify, integral ad science mode, white ops, et cetera. Um, those companies started before before non-human traffic was widely talked about, there were other forms of ad fraud that still exist today um, where you might stuff one ad inside of another or load things behind. Stacking. There's stacking, there's um, stuffing, there's... Just, so for, for, for listeners who don't know, stacking is like where you have an ad location on a page and somebody puts an ad behind another ad so that other ad would never technically be viewed by human eyes. That exactly, and there's there's a lot. There were a lot of different types of fraud like that, or and other types of uh, I don't know if you call it f- uh, fraud per se, but uh, brands were constantly worried as they started working with ad networks in the, for the first time. Where's my ad actually showing up? Like, how do I know it's not showing up on a porn site or something? Um, so the, the, those companies got their start by helping brands just verify that they were getting what they paid for. When non-human traffic, which which really wasn't talked about at all until around two years ago, there was a, uh, a ground. There was a big story about Mercedes. Um, I think the 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 headline was more bots, more robots than humans saw Mercedes last video campaign, and that sent shockwaves through the ecosystem. And so the ad verification companies started to um, try to play catch up and. And so they learned what they could learn about bots and started to build, you know, kind of rules, you know, rule, it was a rules based approach. Um, you know, if the user draws a perfectly straight line with their mouse across the page, that's probably a bot, you know, th- those kinds of things. And so that's a more rules based approach. Now this, I'm sure they're, you know, they've added some machine learning capabilities to that. Um, the challenge with machine learning always is, do you have good ground truth to model on? Um, so we started, uh, we, you know, we started with this specific problem in mind over four and a half years ago. So we, we built it solely for that purpose. And, you know, along the way have made decisions about how to, you know, be the most secure. And we're also not trying to support all of those, you know, other use cases like stacking or, or viewability, for example. So, you know, again, we're not saying this is the you know the complete solution for everything. We're saying this is the part that's the hardest to get right, and this is all we do. Okay, so just help me help me understand a little in a little more detail the so you know, if we had the bots that were doing stuff like moving their mouse in a straight line across the page which no human would do, you know, you'd have some kind of tremor or some kind of like circular motion as you're moving across the page. Um, you know, and I remember, so I used to play online poker and the, the, the more sophisticated poker companies would have things in place to detect this type of stuff where if your mouse movement looks really suspicious, then they can find ways to, to get around that. But since then, like that was like eight or ten years ago, and since then the the bot infrastructure has gotten much more sophisticated to where these poker companies really can't detect like when there is a bot on the system, um, and the 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 behaviors, even the behaviors of like the problem is like <laughs> the behaviors of the human have perhaps become a little more mechanistic and predictable and the behaviors of the bots in the meantime have caught up to the uh less uh mechanistic behaviors of a human i I still don't understand how so what are the the tricks that you could what are the tactics that really are effective in catching this kind of really subtle i guess you called it replay attack but it seems like i don't know yeah i guess the replay attack stuff what are the what are the things that really stand out well, the the biometrics are the first part of it, and 
that's an important piece of information. And so, so capturing all of that and capturing it right is 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 that is that mouse movement like mouse movement and keyboard every movement, input. basically. Um, so whatever whatever inputs are available, you know, in mobile. There's a lot of really interesting things like um, the accelerometer in your cell phone, or or you know, orientation, or are you moving when you're you know when you're doing things. <clears throat> so there's um, a couple hundred different types of of those data inputs. <clears throat> so we recognized that was important early on. In fact, we have a patent, fully approved patent on using that type of data for, for this problem. Not that other people wouldn't, you know, maybe want to do that eventually, but we think it's an important piece of it. But I think the 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 biggest ace in the hole, or the, the hardest thing to, to solve <clears throat> if you wanted to develop a bot that could circumvent a technology like this would be solving the problem of the long-term, uh, what we call longitudinal data. So meaning, that, you know, we're, we're really a reputation system, if you will. Like, does this user have a reputation of being consistently human over a long period of time across, you know, three million websites? And you, so if you wanted to develop a Bot that could earn a reputation like that would be next to impossible. If you wanted to take malware and try to take over a machine that had a reputation like that, you would have to, I mean, you, it would be pretty difficult not to be slightly different than what that user has been over a long period of time. So I'm not saying that it's so, not so, theoretically possible, but highly unlikely. What's what what is what makes it impossible? What's the really hard part about uh, about not the malware strategy, the strategy where you adopt, where you build your own uh, fraudulent um, I, longitudinal thing? What are the things that are really hard to to do that to do with that? Are you uh, hoping to build a bot off this or? No, no. I mean, I'm just I'm trying to understand why these bots would not already exist. Sure. Well, I mean, you, you can appreciate that there's some of this stuff we just can't, um, you know, go into a ton of detail just because we, we don't want to get circumvented or um, necessarily tell our competitors what we're up to. But um, so those those types of bots do exist. Um, that's why we have a name for them. So they, they take real human behavior and they replay it. Um, but we think it's pretty pretty hard for a user to develop a long-term reputation on our system without being an actual user. I don't understand why that's hard. Why? Like, I mean, I'm sorry. I'm not, I'm not trying to be like uh, obstinate here. I just don't really understand why that's hard. Because like, I I'm not even in the ad industry, and to me, like, I just think of that. I'm like, what? That doesn't seem that hard to do. It just record some behavior, and well, what, what, and then what? Do you, I mean, how do you know which websites to go to? What time of day? How do you? Know? Well, that's the thing is, you can just record what. I mean, it wouldn't be hard to record a bunch of human behavior. Like, you could turk this stuff out. Um, you could, you know, find mal- like I said, it's all malware in, in, in people's browsers and just just record what people are doing and just yeah. and just copy that. People and do that. I don't people see definitely do that. That's one like again, that is um, and a much less often used approach, but it is one that we see. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's it, it is one of the more sophisticated techniques that we have to solve for. Okay, so is that is that? I mean, are you just like kind of hoping that that is not in wide use? Because if it were in wide use, it wouldn't we're be possible to catch. We're highly that it's not consistently human. From without, are there fail. any? So theoretically possible, yes. Highly unlikely, and certainly not the low hanging fruit that you would want to go after if you were just trying to make a lot of money doing fraud. Which is really the point, right? Right. Right now, yeah, yeah, I, I, you know, I think it's it's just unsettling, you know, because it's like when you, you, you know, um, you know, back back when I when I played poker, it was like if you have a leak uh, in your system in your the way that you play the game, some opponent is going to figure out how to exploit you, and I think it has baked in this like degree of paranoia into my my personality where I just think, okay, there's this leak in the system. Seems like it's exploitable, but I guess it's it is just not getting exploited because there's bigger. Well, we'll put it this way: like I, I live in New York City, right? And and I know people that have, um, you know, three locks on their front door, and you know, forget to shut their window at night. You know, 
that you there's like there are like so many easier ways for somebody to defraud the system than what you've described that yeah i mean it's sophisticated very hard to do and we know it, it is happening and uh we, you know we think we've got a pretty good answer for it um but certainly not the easiest way to do it yeah yeah no, that makes sense um so you know i know we're nearing the end of time where are these bots coming from are they originating in russia because you know i, I you must have seen this on twitter the trump one hashtag that, that was like trending and it was originate like all of the the hashtags were originating from russia so like the question was are these russian people that are just like happy that trump won quote unquote won the debate or are they bots that are trying to make this hashtag trend <laughs> yeah it's probably a little both yeah so are these bots mostly in like eastern europe uh, there are um they come out of Asia as well, and there's a lot uh, originating from the U.S. So actually, significant amount, um, and and you can actually see from traffic patterns that um, we have as many in the states. Although I don't know if they're as sophisticated as what you might see from other countries. All right, Ben. Well, thank you for coming on the show. It's been a pleasure talking to you. I find the ad fraud industry quite interesting. I find the whole ad tech industry interesting. Um, and uh, I look forward to, to talking to Tyler. Thanks to Symphono for sponsoring Software Engineering Daily. Symphono is a custom engineering shop where senior engineers tackle big tech challenges while learning from each other. Check it out at symphono.com slash sedaily. That's S-Y-M-P-H-O-N-O dot com slash sedaily. Thanks again, Symphono. Wow.